the County Pulse Podcast, where we take the pulse of Kankakee County and beyond and talk with our friends, neighbors, and movers and shakers. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the County Pulse and drop a follow. Now let's get this thing started. Joining me today is Devin Johnson, founder of All Love Basketball and assistant coach at Kankakee Community College. Thanks for uh, joining us today, Devin, and welcome to the Kankakee County Pulse podcast. I was wanting to uh, talk to you a little bit, maybe get the pulse on area basketball, in particular travel basketball. You know, I was just kind of going through, and I try to do with each person I talk to is just do a little history of how we met and how we got to know each other, talk about some of the stuff that we've experienced before we get into some questions. Absolutely, man. Uh, uh, thanks, Jeff, for having me. And I'm super excited to be here and, of course, talking to you and, you know, getting a chance to talk about the program and basketball in the area. It's going to be really fun. So I'm excited about the whole podcast, not just this interview. I, I think this is a really neat idea and what a person to uh, be interviewing with right now. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, I appreciate it. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, as we went through this podcast and I had said before to other folks, the, the reason I did this is because of some of the great things that happen in this community. There's a lot of things that happen. We see a lot of things and hear a lot of things that go on through uh, media coverage that there's not a lot of highlight of not just what we do, but the process and how we do it. And I know you at being the founder of All Love Basketball, done some good things. And I think the first time we met was at a uh, one of my son's basketball games or at a game around that age and may have been out at St. George. Yep, it sure was. Uh, I, I remember that vividly because the team that at the time, you know, Central was, the team was so good. You know, they were so loaded with talent. You know, I think our area sometimes, it seems like the teams come in waves. One school usually seems to have the dominant team for the year and never forget that year you know, meeting you and, you know, uh, of course, all the families at that time that played with us at All Love and, you know, uh, they're such a great team. You remember that? You know, it's it's interesting and going through this process, it could almost be a full-time job for somebody. One, looking at the kids coming out of the seventh and eighth grade, not that you're recruiting or anything because a lot of those kids are public school kids and going to public schools, but to see them all play and kind of see what's coming through. And then, of course, getting into high school can be such an experience that, and, and you would have to be probably everywhere to be able to catch these kids. And we're going to talk later in the show about some of the kids that are in the area that seem to be doing some really good things and that have been highlighted. And uh, we're going to kind of see if we can explore some of those kids. We not only talk about our local schools and, and, you know, the big ones are Kankakee and Bradley and Mac and stuff and are kind of in our backyard, but we're really going to reach out into talking about some of these smaller schools because these kids have an opportunity while maybe some of them don't go division one or division two but there's a place i think every athlete i think can find a home and in particular as it relates to if they're doing their work in the classroom and they're good kids they're behaving themselves and they're working hard uh, either on the court or on the field or whatever it may be there's a home somewhere that a program at the next level they could fit into yeah, no doubt. I'm, I'm a firm believer in that, that, you know, kids, there's always a place for, for kids to play. 
you know, it's just a matter of, you know, your commitment as a player to, you know, what level you may end up at. Uh, I'm a firm believer in the work ethic that you put in, obviously, off the court, not just, you know, working out and spending time in the gym and getting better, you know, whatever sport you're playing. But obviously, academics play a huge role in, in student athlete success. And the harder you work, you know, you have the opportunity to play at the highest level. It's not saying that, you know, kids that, you know, maybe don't do the same things, they work hard and, you know, obviously are taking care of books in the classroom. That doesn't necessarily guarantee you going division one, but it definitely puts you in position to be the best that you can. And obviously you, you're always striving to play at top level, especially collegially and, and division one is allows you to do that. So, you know, putting in that work is, is extremely important. And if you, if you put the work in, you know, you'll I always believe that you'll end up where you where you want to be. Well, and I think, too, when you talk about uh, we went through a couple of years of travel basketball and we've had different issues. One year we had a, a Gatorade circuit that uh, we were down around Atlanta, I think, for what they described as nationals. We had uh, experience last year in a really highly competitive circuit. It took us up into Milwaukee. We did a great tournament up in Michigan. And there's a lot of great memories that are there, not just parents hanging out with parents, which I think is always important, or parents hanging out with coaches, and but uh, some of the games you get into. And what's amazing to me, and it's a different type than what I'm experienced to, only on the issue of my oldest daughter played softball, and so it's that's more of a slower-moving game. It's faster than baseball, but it's not as fast as basketball, and that basketball game or that tournament can change in a dime, and next thing you know, you thought you were out of it, kids keep pushing, and they're back into it, and you ran into some really, really good competition, and we had really good times, but we also had some really great competition in some of these circuits that seem to run through the Midwest that uh, you had us involved with. Yeah, I mean, uh, those, those experiences, you know, I, I'll never forget those. Obviously, with, with COVID this year, we, we haven't had a season. And you, you look back really at the last year, I truly feel last year was the first year we really got to truly experience with some of the elite teams in the country get to experience, you know, year in and year out. And, you know, those games, you know, if anybody's never been to a AAU game and, you know, in one of these big tournaments like uh, NYLA, you know, they're missing out of some excitement because it is intense. It's a lot of fun, you know, and like you said, the memories that you create in those tournaments, not just on the court, but off the court, hanging out, eating with your friends, you know, fast food all weekend, you know, on the go, no sleep, uh, losing your voice, you know, arguments with other parents, you know, from other teams, you know, all that stuff makes this whole, that makes the whole experience priceless. And, you know, it's really cool to be able to do that stuff with the kids from the area and, you know, be able to provide an opportunity and a platform for them to, you know, do that with uh, other kids that are considered some of the best in the country. So let me ask you a question a little bit more about Devin Johnson. Where did you grow up at? I grew up in Chicago. I'm born and raised. My whole family is from Chicago. My mom, single mom, raised us in Chicago. We grew up there our whole lives, went to school there, grammar school, high school. So Chicago is a big part of uh, who I am and uh, is very dear to my heart. Have you always played basketball or if you did, did you play other sports as well? 
No. Um, you know, basketball was cool. My brother and I, you know, my mom really focused on, you know, putting us in a lot of different sports, like so many parents do right now, you know, and I think that's really cool that kids play as many things as they can and, you know, they'll find their way later on. And, and that's kind of how it was for us growing up. The sport I probably played the most growing up was actually baseball. You know, we played baseball since I played baseball since I was six years old in Chicago, you know, especially in where we live, everywhere in town, you know, baseball is big. So especially youth baseball, you know, park district baseball, that's that's big time stuff, you know, in the city. So play baseball, we play T-ball, we, we played all the way through high school. And, you know, I didn't really pick up the basketball until I really say like, Freshman year of high, you know, I played. I played my seventh grade year. I actually in the city. This is a crazy story. I'm getting off track, but it just it just popped in my mind. Uh, but in the city, you know, I went to public school, so we only had one team. So it was always sixth, seventh, and eighth graders on the team. So when you go into these tryouts, you would have two sixth graders make it. You know, five seventh graders, ten eighth graders. And I didn't make it. My I made it my seventh grade, and I didn't make it eighth grade year. So that was really the first time I really started hooping. And, you know, honestly, it didn't even interest me. Uh, it was cool to play. I was tall, but it was, you know, it never was really exciting. You know, I, I enjoyed playing for fun, but I didn't like it. It wasn't just, you know, something that, you know, I fell in love with at that time when I was younger. So really, when I got to high school, first high school I went to, you know, they had a uh, they only had basketball and, and baseball, and, and those were the two guys' sports. And, and again, in the city, baseball and hoops, it's super serious. You know, people probably don't know about the baseball side, but baseball in the city is, is just as competitive as, you know, the hoops and, and for the people that play it. And, and you know, it, it was, again, didn't really play that much. You know, I played freshman year in, in my high school, didn't, wasn't really super interested, played. Uh, again, just being tall. Uh, but then when I left my high school, I really started playing football. And honestly, that was the best sport I played. I was a natural at football. Changing schools changed my life with football. And I, I went on to do some things with football. I played in college. And really, which is an interesting story, I didn't, I, I played football in college. That, that was the trajectory, really. Three years of football from high school and played a little high school ball. Again, didn't really care. Didn't even finish my senior season of basketball, and uh, I just played football, and I was pretty good, man. I I had offers from all over the place. D1, uh, being 6'7", uh, being a tight end, you know, I ran well. Uh, so football was, was a big part of my youth in sports. You know, basketball wasn't a, wasn't a huge part of what I was thinking about doing for the future. And so you had mentioned uh, one thing I was thinking about when I met you. I remember how tall you are. You're you're uh, six seven right now. I'm six ten. Six yep. ten. Okay. So being six ten, I mean, you weren't that tall in high school. But you know, one of the things we've noticed, at least in football, is if you've got the frame and you've got, even if you don't have everything put together, what they're looking for, it seems to be, is this kid who is tall who is big that and really based off potential seems to be you know you want it's great if you're the stud quarterback or running back or whatever and you're an all-american obviously those are the ones to be but what i find out a lot from people is do they have the size to be able to play at that level and you know you get kids that want to play and 
they may not have the physical attributes, which is somewhat different than basketball. You can be a shorter uh, person, could be a medium or taller person, but if you've got the skill set, you could be a great guard, you could be a great forward. You know, that's probably showing my age a little bit, but that's what we used to call them, right, uh, before we get into a lot of different what you describe as, as numbers for, for people. And the game has changed so much that – you could be six eight, six nine, and play guard. But in basketball, you you have that attribute. You know, there's some kids that play in high school when it relates to football that may be five ten, and they're great at what they do and stuff. But a lot of colleges are looking for, hey, if they can pull a kid out that's six seven, they can say we can do a lot with that kid, and that's probably. What happened to you? And I know with other kids, it happens. A lot of times, is they they want to see them. Uh, of course, it's gotten from when you played in in high school, from when I played, which was many many years ago. Everything is so refined now that uh, people want to know every little umph about you, every little bitty movement that you can do, and where you rank on certain things and stuff. But they still look at hey, when you go to college, and this is probably true of any sport, you could go and you could be a quarterback, and next thing you know, you're a defensive back, or you could be a tight end, and they move you inside to to a line. Did you find that movement also uh, when you're playing football? Yes, you know, uh, it's funny that you said that. Coming out of high school, you know, I was I played DN and tight end in high school, and I was I was great at tight end, and I was even better at DN, and. When I got to college and I played junior college football in Illinois, and we could talk about that a little bit because there's a rich history of junior college football in Illinois. And due to funding, you know, most of the schools don't have junior college football anymore in Illinois. But Illinois used to have some of the, the biggest powerhouse junior college football teams in the country. It was amazing. And I happened to play during that time. And honestly, when I got to college, you know, I played tight end DN, like I said, and, you know, Playing against this competition, you, what you realize is, especially at junior college, you were good. You, you were. But you know who else is good? Uh, that one kid from Conant High School who was, you know, an excellent tight end for Conant, you know, and he was in the Suburban League. Then you also have that other tight end who was from, you know, St. Louis. You got that other tight end who was from, I, I lived on the Northwest side. So you got a tight end that came from the South side of the city. You know, they played at another school who was really awesome. They ended up at Harper College. So what happened when I got to college is there was just competition at my spot. And then, too, being six seven, the coaches were like, oh, you know, we can play. Let's move in the, uh, let's move in the tackle. I'll, I'll never forget this. And I had never played line a day in my life. You know, I had only played – college football for two years in high school and really just kind of blew up and got my chance on the scene um, if it wasn't for academics obviously going to junior college I mean that was a shock you know but like you said you get to college and these coaches you know they have things in their mind and they have things that they feel you would be better at you know ultimately they tried to move me to the line and I just sucked let me just be honest I was terrible like I was bad like I wasn't blocking nobody you know my footwork was bad you know, I blocked as a tight end, but mainly I called passes. That was <laughs> that was that was what I did. So, 
You know, they're talking about footwork. You know, I'm in the shoots and I'm six seven. I'm I'm hitting the shoots every time. You know, my back fitting the my, all you hear is ping, ping, ping. My my shoulder pads hitting my helmet, hitting the shoots. Like it was just terrible. But what can you do? And I just remember telling the coach one day, I was like, Coach, I can't do this. And I was like, just moving back to tight end. You know, I'll fight my way out and I'll figure it out. You know, just move me to tight end. And I, that's what I played. I, I catch passes. I, I know how to block. And I, I was a great blocker as well, too. Called passes, but I knew how to block as a tight end, not as a lineman. So it was interesting, you know, to, to make those moves. But it, it happens, like you said. Well, and I think it shows also in, in other sports, too. You have to be versatile because you don't know what that program's needs are going to be. And we see that movement, uh, too, in programs where – you know, we get kids that are interested, uh, like when my oldest daughter played, they were interested in her playing for Louisville, actually, her and the, the pitcher. And so we were obviously over the moon thrilled with that. We got down there and come to find out they had got a pitcher that they didn't think they were going to get and their catcher, which would have worked out perfectly because it's really all a puzzle. Their catcher was out. Once that player ended the career, they were done. But the great thing about that was that that coach knew a coach out east, and she was able to say, hey, this is a kid you can use, I can't use. But they will put you wherever they're at. If you're a catcher, they may put you at third base. If you're at third base and you've got a good glove, they may say, hey, first baseman went down. And and it's the same with, I think, with with any sport. But getting back to to you and and playing and, and having a travel organization here, how did you end up in Kankakee? Well, my wife and her family, they have uh, lived in Clifton for a while, uh, for a long time. She grew up here, I think, since I want to say maybe sixth grade, I want to say. Don't quote me on that. But that's how my ties, you know, ended up back here in Kankakee. Uh, I met my wife when I was in college, uh, actually junior college, playing basketball at the time. And, you know, after all the dust settled and, you know, graduated from the university, we, we kind of migrated back here because she was already here with, with our babies. So with our with our girls. So that's kind of how we ended up back here. Her father's a coach and it was a coach in the area as well, too. So, you know, like I said, just migrated back here after college. Once you migrated back here and you got settled into Kankakee after college, how did you get involved in travel basketball? And what made you get involved uh, with travel basketball or AAU ball? Well, when I moved back uh, and I graduated from college, actually, we lived in Clifton. So coming home from college, you know, living, we were living actually in Clifton at the time and you know, started, I uh, actually volunteer assistant, you know, at Clifton. And uh, during actually before even all of that, you know, before actually all I started playing with uh, the soldiers um, and working with Barry Bradford, who runs Example Sports here in the area. Uh, another AAU program uh, that's done some great things for, for kids. You know, same thing we're trying to do. You know, Barry paved the way before us. And, you know, he really set the path for kids to uh, get exposure and just really open the community's eyes to these other experiences out here. And, and that's really how I got involved was coming back from college, playing a, being a college basketball player. I just graduated from Lindenwood. You know, I, I found out about the soldiers and naturally through the soldiers and playing with them out here to send to my pro team with them. 
you know, it got me involved coaching AAU and example. You know, those two go go hand in hand. The soldiers and example out here, you know, it was great. You know, I met a lot of families, people that I still know to this day and talk to and watch their kids grow up. And they're all grown now because I think this was about 2012. So uh, that's how I got involved with, you know, travel ball in the area. And, you know, after, you know, a few years, I played with the soldiers. And obviously working with Barry, I started coaching a little bit more in high school at the time as well, too. And, you know, just through that natural progression, I got my first head coaching job at Kankakee. And then that's kind of what led to All Of. And so you were the founder of All Of. You've grown that program. And I see where the program is at, but I also see that it's a, describe it as a feeder program. I think oftentimes that there is some divide between travel and high school sports. And I see the basketball programs, what are their feeder programs or vice versa? But I've seen the growth from, in particular, the Kankakee program that's grown, that you've had a lot of kids come through that that play for Kankakee. I know there's some kids that uh, play from Bradley and different schools as well. But Kankakee, if this season wasn't cut short, could have been playing for a state championship. And I think a lot of that has to do with, I don't think, I know, a lot of that has to do with the playing sports at a different level. Because when you play a travel sport, one thing that I knew from my daughter playing, and we traveled all over the country with her, Well, she played with the best of the best in that organization. And then when she came back to school, she played with the best that were in that school. Completely different mindset and completely different group of people you're around. But you pick up things. And so when you're picking up kids that come through a program that are playing with their teammates from their high school program or their grade school program, that naturally carries over to the school program. Travel programs... You know, when my daughter started playing, there was no travel programs down here. So we had some different reactions. Uh, We had people who were really happy for us, and we had some people that weren't really happy for us because they thought, well, who are you to go up north? But my thought process was just because you live north of 80 doesn't mean you're any different or that you come out any more talented than the kids here. You just have more opportunities up north than you do here. By having these programs down here now and having all love down here, that gives us an opportunity for kids to play and not just play at a at a higher level, but it does so much more for folks, which kind of leads me to my next question about goals outside of the basketball lines for the organization. And so what are some of the goals outside of the basketball lines, I guess you would say, off the court that the organization has for the kids and for the program in general? The number one goal, and this really, you know, became the, the biggest focus of the program, is to see the kids go to college and, you know, obviously get their education paid for as much as their education paid for for free, where obviously they're getting a chance to play the game that they love and not having to take out student loans. And during that time, hopefully gain some financial literacy with what I just said with the the student loans and we can prepare them for these moments. So that's the ultimate goal. And that's something that has grown and grown and grown in our six years of existence. You know, that may not have been the focus when we started because, you know, we started small. We just started, you know, thinking about, oh, man, it'd be great to get the kids an opportunity to play basketball and, you know, play from other kids from other areas. And over the years, you start having more experiences. You, and you, uh, you see these things out in this space. 
that just open your eyes and they're just completely astonishing things that you see from some of these top tier programs and ultimately what that happens and that's the path that you choose you really start to hone in on hey you know i, I like this you know I, we, we, let's let's focus on getting these kids to college and and when i say that and people might be like what do you mean isn't that the goal of every tribal organization no it's not you know, you have travel, travel organizations that are out here for money that, you know, they put together great programs, you know, in, in numbers where you get as many kids in as possible. We give them a great experience. We don't care what happens that you, when they're juniors and seniors and if they go play on a college, you know, if they got dreams to do that, you know, they're going to go find somebody or somebody will find them to come play for them. And, and again, that's not what we, we are. We love the ultimate goal is to see them go to college. Well, and I think, I talked to kids in the program last year about you need to change how you view your life. You have to look beyond Kankakee, right? There's a whole world out there for them, right? And I think sometimes our kids don't get that opportunity to dream that. I think that's kind of what you're talking about is going to college is the chance to dream that way, is the chance to see somebody who gets a degree, goes on, and can really, in many aspects, write a check for whatever they, whatever they want as they move along because they've got a degree, they've got a career, they have a path. And not that you don't look back where you came from. You always remember where you came from, but you look at it from the perspective of, hey, I don't want to work here anymore. I'm going to go get another job somewhere else. And without having that ability to dream that and then apply the the process on the court they don't get to dream that way and i and i think we have kids in the program who dream that way and we have other kids that don't and so when i talk about goals i think that's kind of one of the goals you're talking about is the ability to do that because that can be a a significant change in your life that changes that direction yeah absolutely i mean starts to be motivation for other kids this year for example this year's class of kids we yeah, more kids this year. We've, we, we, our classes aren't huge. So we're not, we're like every other program now in this where, you know, we usually got eight, nine kids on our team. And this is this year, you know, out of all the years and really getting into this elite life last year, you know, all of our kids, you know, they're going to college. And, and that's super exciting. You know, as a program, that's exciting. As a, as a program director, that's exciting. As a coach, that's exciting. In reality, just as a person, you know, that cares about the kids, which is the most important thing, that's that's exciting. But what it also does is it gives a little bit of motivation to that class behind them, allowing them to see, you know, especially some of our kids from Kankakee, it shows them that, hey, I'm next. These guys, they put their time in, and these guys are my friends. They're my brothers. I've been through it all with them and watched them grow. We most of these kids, you know, on a Kanky, they've been together since they were at elementary school. So, you know, when you see your brothers and, and people that you've been around, you know, growing your whole life and watching them grow into young men and, and watching them go off to college, you know, that's motivating and, and I think that's where we that's where you really see success in some of uh, these great programs out here, it's not just, you know, obviously the kids going to college, that motivation of getting kids to want to be the best, showing them that there's other things out here, continuing to motivate them, 
you know, to, to do some other things out here because there are a lot of temptations, you know, out here, you know, for things to go south. So it's really cool. It's awesome when you see the kids go to college. I love it even more that it motivates the next group behind them and, and some of the younger generation. And, and I think that's really what it's all about. We need more of that. And when you talk about we need more of that, that's kind of the goal of what we're trying to do here is just giving the kids, shining some light down in Kankakee and Iroquois and different areas like that to look at this area because I think we produce good kids. I think we produce good players. And I think it's oftentimes it's easy to look at the you know new shiny thing or the person that may be the five-star recruit and that's not always it'd be great i guess if you're a program and you're you know certainly talking the kentuckys of the world and the dukes and the north carolinas and different programs like that that are pulling in those five stars uh, athletes but what's great for a lot of these programs is finding that kid that has that dream that's going to go out and work hard and then you have to remember both from a parent and a player that that program is putting in a significant amount of money into you. Do they want to spend $40,000, $50,000, $60,000, whatever it may be, on a person who, uh, on a kid who doesn't have the qualities that you want to have that maybe don't dream that way? And I think part of doing the process of working hard is having that dream, right, of winning, of playing hard, of being the best and I think when you mention the kids looking at their teammates or their schoolmates and what they do there's there's not just a sense of envy but there's a sense of competitiveness with them to say I should be going to school too and playing and whatever it is that makes that kid decide to go to that level uh, or want to play at that level you don't really care because they're going into college and you played in college my daughter played in college you go to college, it's serious. I know people think, oh, well, you're going to college and then you don't do anything. You show up and you shoot the basketball or you swing the bat or you run the ball. Being a, 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 an athlete at any level and going to school, both of those are full-time jobs. And so you have to have the right type of child coming through the program that's willing to listen to their mentors, watch their fellow players and what they do. So they're prepared to understand that when they go to that next step, it's serious business. Now, what what I've found, and I think it's important that people know this, and I've read this before, but I talked to uh, my wife's brother, who's a vice president of IBM down in Atlanta. And he confirmed exactly what I knew was, when companies are looking to hire employees, they will look at athletes coming out of college and they'll go to the top of the list before everyone else. Now, why is that? Is because they have to meet deadlines. They have to be up early. They have to work hard. They have to multitask. They have to do their athletic things that are required of them. They got to do the school things. So it's not just, hey, I'm going to school to play ball. It's going beyond that level to be able to say, I am I'm the type of employee or I'm the type of person you want to be part of your organization. So it really is such a big opportunity for folks that I'm hoping that as we go through this, through the years, that kids start understanding that what we can do here, and it's not impossible to do this. It's not impossible to have great programs here to where we put winning 
teams. We put winning players. Uh, we put great players on there. I'll give you an example. You look at basketball and you look at uh, Totopolis with their girls program. You look, you know, that's a little bitty town. I mean, where are they getting these kids from? They bought into something, right? It's not something in the water. They just bought into it and they have a system in place. You look at some of these organizations or high school sports that maybe aren't from the normal areas that you think they should be from to be successful and they're really, really successful. I think there's an opportunity for people to understand that that can happen here in Kankakee County as well. And it can happen. I always say Kankakee County, but I'm also inclusive of our coaches and players that are in Iroquois County and the surrounding counties that maybe don't get the looks that we hope that they do. So do you think as you're going through this, some of the greatest memories in travel basketball away from the court is watching kids go through that program and then someday watching them sign with programs. Do you think that's some of the greatest memories you have? Yeah, um, that that part has been, you know, really awesome. I think I'm looking forward to an even bigger memory is, you know, just watching them go along in the process. You know, I, I want to see, you know, kids keep going and going farther. And I want to see senior days and the universities. Uh, those are the memories that I, I'm really looking forward to. And some of the memories that I cherish now, you know, of course, are the ones, you know, when they're excited about signing to college. But I think on top of that, just the experience, you know, being on the road, that uh, really resonates with me the, the most. Because what, what happens is, is you get these kids from all different types of communities, backgrounds, parents are completely different from each other. Everything is different. You know, you get them all together and they're in this environment where they can't run. They can't get out the way of maybe an uncomfortable situation. You've got to be there. you just there. You know, you're there with your teammates. You know, it's those are the type of memories that you really, really cherish the most. Those times when the families can come together and they're excited and they're watching their kids. We got all these kids and families from different backgrounds. And, you know, you can unite them through the game of basketball, you know, and, and just like any other sport and travel sports, you know, that's the common ground. Shoot, thinking about where we are today, what a blessing that is, you know, to bring people of, from different backgrounds together in, in certain situations. So travel basketball is different than travel softball. So in travel softball, and it's kind of getting a little bit more this way, but in travel softball for a long time, it was an ASA body that was then governed by USA softball and you had one national championship. So everybody went through a region in the country and you moved on to that. Basketball is a little bit different, it appears to be. There's not a unifying necessarily one organization that controls it all. I know there's a USA basketball. I know there's different circuits and stuff and without that central clearing body for one national championship there are a lot of circuits that are out there some of them are great some of them maybe aren't so great uh, some of them are you know we had some weekends right where we would play in chicago or the south suburbs and that gets you ready it's kind of like your regular season for those bigger circuits coming up Mm-hmm. What yeah. what do you think are some of the premier circuits that are in travel basketball, in particular as it relates for your organization in the Midwest? Obviously, you know, the top organization is always Nike and the EYBL. You know, those are some of the best of the best. Those are NBA prospects. It's the, the cream of the crop, you know, and, and that circuit is obviously the one of the best in the country and as well as some of the other shoe kirkers they're they're also great you know you're playing those are some of the 
best kids in the country as far as, you know, talent. But unfortunately, that is about the 1% of probably basketball probably in the country, you know. So when you think about that, you know, there's probably five, 600 teams, you know, AAU clubs in, in, in Illinois. And when you really think about it, maybe seven of those 500 teams play on the shoe circuit. So when you put that in a percentage, it's, I don't even know what it is. I'll have to do my math. But you can obviously see it's extremely low to be on that competitive, that high of a level to play competitively. But let me say something about that, too. That's also a reflection of how hard it is to be a Division One player because all of those kids that play on that circuit are going Division One. So for guys like us, programs like us, you know, we're looking for the best independent opportunities out here in the country. And those opportunities we've had these last two years, we've really had a chance to explore. We've kind of built up our program to be competitive. I'll say when we played in the Gatorade, you remember playing in the Gatorade. It was nice. I think that was more of a precursor to what really life was like the next year. And when you talk about good circus, prep hoops was good last year. Uh, I enjoyed playing on that. We played some great teams. All our teams played some great teams. NY to LA, we were super excited this year to be in NY to LA. I truly feel that is one of the, if not the premier circuit in the Midwest as far as providing opportunities for student athletes to get to college at all levels, not just Division One. So those are my top two in the Midwest, and, and I'm not going to throw any shade at any any other circuit. You know, Recruit Look is also a great circuit. They have some great teams and programs on there. But I think what our need moving forward for our kids was being in NY to L.A. this year. Um, and we were really looking forward to experiencing that after going to some of their tournaments last year. So NYLA, I would, to answer your question, be the top one for me in the Midwest. Uh, they've done a great job and have a phenomenal track record of, you know, putting kids in college at all levels. And, and that's so important for an area like ours and, and our program because all of our kids, we, we haven't had a Division One player yet in our program. So, you know, we, we're really looking for opportunities for our kids that fit, you know, their skill level and where they may be projected to go play. And hopefully, you know, we got a couple kids that are in junior college actually going to junior college this year. One kid in particular, player of the year in the area, Lavelle McIntosh, you know, hopefully after these two years, he goes there and develops, which he's one of the hardest working kids you'll, you'll ever meet. He can go Division One, and that's what you hope. So, NYLA for us is really uh, what I feel is the top circuit in the Midwest, and, and we are super blessed to be a part of that. Uh, you do not get these opportunities just by saying you're a program. You know, there's a lot of time, and, and you really got to put some some work in on the court to, to get some respect to get these opportunities, and, and we're really blessed to be able to provide that too for our kids in our program in NYLA. You know, obviously you know more about it than I do. You've been in the travel basketball arena more than I have, but I, I certainly agree with you. NY to LA, the only one that kind of gave us a good warm up to that was the Michigan tournament up with a storm. And yeah. that's where we saw uh, your 16 saw Amani Bates. Yeah. And if you yeah. don't know who Amani Bates is, you should just do a Google search and you'll find him. And in fact, uh, 
on another podcast, we were talking about that. And I said, how many kids do you know that are the same age as my son, right? That their sophomore is going to be juniors that have their own Wikipedia page. And, you know, what was funny was we were back, you know, you got so many different schedules. So we were back at the hotel. Uh, some teams are not playing. Other teams are playing. And I had a call from one of the parents on the 16U team saying, uh, yeah, this Bates kid, he's the best kid in Michigan. And I said, what's his first name? He said, it's Amani Bates or something like that. I go, he's not the best kid in Michigan. He's the best kid in the country. And I think, you know, I don't remember what the number was, Devin, but uh, 30 some points or something at halftime. He said he went up and dunked one time, had it slapped his other hand on the back of the backboard and just kind of slid down. And by halftime, it was over. But I, I'd heard that uh, I think your daughters had the opportunity to meet him. And I heard he was a really good young man. Ah uh, man, he was awesome. You know, one you you, you never expect to play a you know a, a team and a, and a kid like Imani Bates during that time. You know, like we say, we've been talking about this for a little bit. You know, this was really our first year of kind of elite last year. So we had put together a schedule. We start putting together turn going to tournaments, some of the best tournaments we had heard about in the Midwest. So going into that, you know, you would never expect to play Imani Bates. So meeting him and playing against him to see the talent right there in front of your face, watch the whole game, like, wow. And even more impressive, like you were saying, to talk to him after the game, his father, his family, the whole organization is a bunch of class acts. And, you know, you, you finish playing the game and, you know, even some of our kids, you know, they're all like, man, we just played Imani Bates. We're trying to take pictures, autographs with them. And it's funny because the competitive, you know, the competitive side of you is like, come on, yo, you're going to take pictures. These guys just whooped us. You know, we're not taking no pictures, but it's such a once in a lifetime opportunity. You know, this kid is, I truly believe he's the next one, two, three, two years from now, you know, after Zion's finished up, you know, Zion's going to be phenomenal and he's doing awesome. Three, four years from now, you know, we're going to be talking about Imani Bates and three years, you know, entering the draft. And, you know, I truly believe he's going to be probably the next greatest player to play the game. This kid's phenomenal and uh, phenomenal on and off the court. You know, to sit there with players, people, fans, take pictures, kids, um, at such a young age to handle it with maturity, you know, it was awesome. He didn't blink an eye, you know, and didn't, didn't roll an eye, didn't say anything. I, after the game, I said, hey, great game, man, awesome. You know, do you mind taking a picture with my kids? Absolutely, coach. I would love to. <laughs> like, awesome. You know, how humble, you know, how awesome that is to see such a humble young man with all the star power that's starting to brew for him and, and where he's going in his career right now. Well, and I think that was some of the uniqueness of being a, a freshman at the time yep. and and having that maturity level says a lot about, like you said, about the program, says a lot about his father and his family. And, you know, he was the Gatorade Player of the Year, and I think it's important to note that as the Gatorade Player of the Year, some of the company that he keeps uh, as it relates to basketball are LeBron James, Dwight Howard, Kevin Love, R.J. Barrett, J.R. Reed going way back, Alonzo Mourning. This isn't some kid that just fell off the peanut truck. 
you just don't think you're running into that. But it was a great opportunity. But he's the type of kid that's got the whole package when it comes to a kid that I think uh, is six, around 6'9", six, around your height uh, now. And he is a good kid. Seems to have his head on his shoulders pretty good. And, and, and barring any, you know, major... Uh, stubbing of the toe the kids got he'll have the world by the tail here pretty quick and and i think what was interesting about that was not just that but then we were playing a team out of uh detroit i think it was called the family and yeah uh, you know i won't say that i hated them and and when i say hate i don't hate anybody but you know, when you're playing, you, you don't like them, then they don't like you. And their their fans and their parents were as committed to those kids as any parents I've seen. And that was a tough, tough team. You know, we ended up not uh, winning that game. But I think there, once I seen that, I thought, you know, there's a lot of talent here. And then when you go to the when you go to New York to L.A., that's just a grind uh, when you're talking oh, about – I think we went up to the Swish and Dish and different things like that up in Milwaukee, and it's such a large tournament, and you run into some really great teams. You get the chance to watch some really great teams. I have to agree with you that New York to L.A., you know, you get locked into there, and uh, that's probably the place to be. And it's, you know, with all due respect to the previous uh, folks who were running circuits or trying to get circuits going, I get it. But it's hard to duplicate uh, New York to L.A. or certainly Nike. But to be New York to L.A. and not have that Nike name and have that kind of talent, uh, that just says a lot. You know, we battle pretty well coming in there being what I described as bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. You know, we yeah. we didn't know what we were getting into, you know. No idea. None. You know, you make and you have to adjust. You know, we talk, we, we laugh about it all the time. That The first tournament, switching this, changed the course of our program forever because they were just playing so much faster than we were at the time. You know, it was like, wait a minute, hold on, y'all. If we don't, hey, we gotta, we gotta make some adjustments because if we don't start picking up our pace and our tempo, we're gonna get blew out. You know, and it wasn't that our kids weren't necessarily ready to play at that pace. We just had never asked them to at that time. And I'll never forget that. And, and the competition you played, you know, the, the first round games, you know, I think that first round game last year, I want to say like Mac Irvin for 16 years is crazy. Crazy line of Quad City Elite for like 15. So, you know, come out the gate, you're realizing, oh, okay, all right, guys, all right, we, we got to rev it up a little bit. You know, we got to we gotta start putting some pressure on some guys. You know, they're making us play fast. They're making us make decisions at a very high rate of speed because they're speeding us up. So it kind of changed the way we played. But the competition level, you know, was, was something our kids needed. And I feel like it has helped them, many of them, over these past couple of years, you know, have some success at high school. Well, and it reminds me, you know, I used to play basketball and grew up around here. So I used to play basketball and then I would play at the Y. I'm not kidding. You had to be 40 hours a week. And so we had some real battles and stuff. And I, you know, then I was off for a while and, uh, you know, met Charlotte and stuff. And then I went back to the Y to play. And it was almost that same feeling. I played like one game and I'm like, I'm done here too fast it was just too fast the game had changed so much and so that was kind of the same way there 
it was a game that not that we couldn't compete because our kid compete, but to see them out of the gate take off so quickly and so fast and then also be so talented. Yeah. You you know, Hey, we're not in Kansas anymore. That's for sure. You know, as Dorothy would say from the wizard of Oz, (laughs) we knew, we knew this was some serious business and uh, it's great to hear that the program's, Looking at that as establishing a good relationship, they ran good tournaments. Uh, their folks to work with on getting things set up was really, really good. They definitely have a good thing going up there. And you had mentioned, and you're kind of just talking about the teams and running in some of the teams, Mac Irvine and stuff like that. What are some of the premier or top-level teams you see in kind of looking back uh, premier or top-level teams and then maybe some upcoming team or organizations you see in Illinois? Well, you know, I, I, it's kind of interesting. You know, you it's kind of the usual suspect every year. Start to realize that as you get deeper into this. So the same teams, you, you, you really start to see their name popping up all the time at the, you know, different tournaments and things. So, you know, Mac Irvin, of course, the Mean Streets out here, the Young and Reckless program, the Illinois Jaguars. You see the Chicago Demons a lot, All-In Athletics, uh, Illinois Wolves. Mercury Elite, Kessel Heat, all of these programs, you know, like I said, when you really start getting a little bit deeper into the AAU uh, community in the Midwest and especially in the Chicagoland area, you, you start to see the usual suspects. And what that usually means is longevity. That's what it is. You know, I'll never forget a conversation that I had before as we deal with our apparel with Adidas, talking to our reps sometimes. You know, he's like, you know, Devin, he's like, you know, a lot of programs don't know if they're going to be here tomorrow. And it is so true because there's so much that goes into this, you know, with obviously one of the biggest things being the finances of the whole running the program. Um, You don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow. So what what you see usually and typically is as time goes on, you just, you just start seeing the same people, you know, over and over again. You know, like I said, so some of those programs you see consistently, Illinois Bears, uh, just to name a couple more, uh, Illinois Swiss, all of these teams you, you consistently see out here on the scene. It also, like I said, shows, you know, their longevity and, and some of their success, you know, being in the space. Yeah, there are some good teams. In fact, I think if I remember when we were in the Gatorade circuit, we went to Atlanta. We ended up playing a team, the Chicago Hoops or what it was. We fell short, I think, to either go to the championship or in the championship. But they were a solid team. They were up a little bit north uh, near the lake. I was rather surprised because sometimes it's amazing to know that there's programs out there that maybe you you know you don't know. Obviously, I was you know new to it, but this program's not a joke. They're well coached, they're well disciplined, and they can play a game. And and we've seen that too. We went over to Indiana. I think sometimes parents think, why are we playing and we don't have a 16-0 and record or a 30-0 record? Uh, I would rather, I know the year that we were playing softball for my oldest daughter, we played, we went from, the way it worked was you went 12, 13, 14, 16, and then you went to 18 and 18 gold, 18 gold being premier. A lot of kids come back that after that first year of college. They still have eligibility and they play. 
we went 16 to we skipped 18 and went to 18 gold and there was a lot of nervousness from the parents and we played a lot of teams and we lost a lot and you know what we were that much better that next year because of it because you know we walked on to the field and kids would be like that girl she plays at georgia or that girl she plays at tennessee or whatever it is so I think sometimes when, when you get into those type of circuits or those, you, you decide to make that commitment to go up to that next level, parents are a little shocked, kids are a little shocked that why aren't we winning all that stuff? But you're not getting any better by just staying and playing in a rinky-dink tournament. You've got to be, if you want to reach that next level and be be a better player, you have to go that you got to go that extra step and sometimes that means you have to learn how to play that game and play at that level that speed be that talented and then you say hey you can be that kid you can be that team if you do the things we tell you to do yeah it's one of those things where these kids have these amazing opportunities you you really do got to take advantage of them the space that these exposure things do provide for these kids. And one, I'll say this, it's not for everybody. You know, it is ultra competitive out here. But if you do stay the course and stay the path, you know, and you continue to work hard, we talked about working hard earlier and, and believing in, you know, where you end up, you know, if you follow the process, you know, it, it usually works out in your favor. Well, it does, and as you, you follow the process, I, I remember when we played softball, we traveled every summer. We always got to about the third week of July, and so we would be in Colorado, we'd be in Tennessee, Florida, Boston, wherever it may be. The head of the organization thought we have to play the best of the best and be in the best exposure tournaments we can be in. And I would always get to that third week and tell Charlotte, I don't know that I can – do this anymore <laughs> and then I, right. would, I would say to her as much money as i spent on this kid i could have saved all that money which i wouldn't have but saved all that money in her school and when she got an offer she ended up playing out at providence she got an offer and to go out to play there was sixty thousand dollars a year and i thought we spent some money we spent a lot of time but we didn't spend that much money um and she only played two years she ended up getting hurt and and her career ended but she ended up getting her master's degree from Providence. And I got to tell you, Devin, when you think about it, it's one of those things where, one, because of the age difference, you know, I'm more of a, you got a job, you work here, and then that's it, and you may work there for 30 years. That doesn't happen anymore, or rarely yeah. happens. But kids are like, you know, I talk to her, ah, I'm thinking about quitting, maybe I'll go here. Uh, I'm, you know, she was working at one of the big four accounting firms. And she said, you know what, I'm going to go to a smaller accounting firm. And this is what I expect to be paid. And yeah. it was a different environment. That wouldn't have happened if she hadn't went to college. So I think that's kind of when I talk about writing your own ticket and dreaming the way that maybe you've never dreamed before. That's what sports gives for you. And it gives you the building blocks you need to be successful in life, both from a career standpoint of view, but also a life standpoint of view. Yeah, I, the thing that obviously plans collegiate sports, sports in general, for when you're a kid, as a coach, you that's all you can hope for. You put these life skills in kids, and obviously, I always say it's bigger than basketball, it's bigger than softball, bigger than baseball, whatever sport you're playing, 
you know, it's a responsibility that you take on that it's not just about the ball that's bouncing or the ball that's being thrown in the air. You have to prepare your athletes for life outside of, you know, whatever sport they're going to play because eventually that ball does stop flying. That ball does stop bouncing. And are you prepared to not only set yourself up for the future, but you know, you're going to have a family one day. You got to start building for that and, and building for things, you know, that you want in your life outside of basketball, too. And in reality, it's preparing for those goals outside of athletics. A lot of student athletes, they, they have so many dreams and ambitions strictly focused on athletics. And that's awesome. And obviously, you what you really hope for when they go to college is, they also start putting a lot more of that same energy into whatever could come if you're not playing anymore. You know, so you love to see kids, to piggyback off that thought, you love to see kids when they do get these scholarships, going in and getting their degree in something that's really meaningful and something that's dear to their heart, something that's going to be able to make an impact, something that's going to allow them to have a career, um, and not just something that allows them to get through college at the fastest way possible and the easiest way without any resistance. You have a beautiful opportunity to get your education paid for to be whatever you want outside of an athlete. And that is super powerful. And as a coach, you really just got to embrace that and continue to put that in the kids that you coach. We're talking today with Devin Johnson, the founder of All of Basketball and assistant coach at Kenke Community College. One of the reasons, Devin, and, and I've said this before, is I, I had this podcast is because there's a lot of great things that happen uh, in Kenke County that people overlook. It's easy, and I use this analogy all the time when I talk to people. If you talk to someone today, and you talk, or you talk to 100 people today, and 99 of them said good things, and one person said bad Typically, people will think about that bad thing. They forget that 99% of those people were positive. And so I think oftentimes people want to focus on problems that happened in this community or that community or whatever. So I think this was an opportunity, and this is an opportunity for us to go out and highlight the positive things. And I know you do positive things both with the basketball, uh, but also in, in other areas of your life. And one of the things I always ask folks, what's your favorite charity and why? My favorite charity um, is hands down the Boys and Girls Club of America. I, I know we do not have one here in Kentucky County, which I have, I think is one of the biggest uh, travesties for our community is not to have one of those because I, I've seen directly what, what that impact have community that is similar to ours, uh, like in Danville. So I, I love the Boys and Girls Club of America. I, I went to the Boys Club, obviously, growing up in the city. My mom's a single parent. You know, me and my brother spent a lot of time there. We go there after school, been there, spend time there, uh, obviously, on the weekends, playing the games. When we moved, joined the another Boys Club. They provided us, they provided me, not my brother, my first job ever, taught me how to open up my first bank account, opened up my first bank account through the Boys and Girls Club. So obviously it was so beyond just obviously the social programs that they have with after school and, and different things and the leads that they have going on. It was so much bigger than that. And it was a big part of our life growing up. 
And even beyond that, you know, we I spent some time running a team in Danville. They were the first group that opened their doors to us and the things that we were trying to get done in Danville with uh, helping out some college athletes, you know, become professional athletes. And the work that they were doing in the community with, you know, obviously the after school program, like I said before, so many kids in the program. I mean, and I say that is because it shows the need for the program in the community, the things that they were providing, the meals. They eat these kids after school. And I'm a teacher at at King Middle School in Tennessee. So I also see, you know, as far as that age group of kids that that I'm referring to with the Boys Club and these experiences that I've had dealing with them in the past, there's so many kids out here that just don't have anything. And I say that blunt as that, they just don't have anything. You know, they don't have support at home. They don't know where their next meal is coming from. There's no one washing their clothes. It's unbelievable. And when you see organizations like that provide these families with not necessarily maybe it benefits the parents because parents may be bad parents, but more importantly, it's benefiting those kids. They get that meal. They get that love. They get somebody that cares about them, not just from school. Now I'm going to give you a little extra dose of that after school because when you go home, they don't tell them what you're about to get. So the Boys and Girls Club, really near and dear to my heart. Uh, some of these experiences that I've had with them, obviously being being a part of it growing up, dealing with them uh, as an adult or young and, and working in the community, it, it is they do some wonderful work. Some of the people that work there and the organization I truly believe is, is awesome. I talked previously in another podcast with somebody that we were talking about organizations that do things and I think oftentimes people think man I'm I'm strapped I got the kids I got this I got that or money's tight or whatever and and we're not denying that that economically can be tough for people got to understand even if it's a buck two bucks or whatever if you can't be out there helping just a little bit of financial help can help them go a long way too because some of those organizations pop up and then they disappear because they're providing a good program. They just can't fund it and they can't get people without the funding. It's hard to get people to just give up time because time is, seems to be more compressed now than ever. So it's important to know, you know, if you go online and you look at uh, boys and girls club of America, they have them all over. They have them, you know, in Joliet, they have them in Maryville. They, I think it's important to know that look up Boys and Girls Club of America, pick one out, and you know at the end of the day, if you got four or five bucks to stop at Starbucks uh, for your Starbucks, and my wife's turned me into Starbucks nut, you've got four or five bucks, you can certainly write a check, uh, go online. Some of them have online where you can donate. And do that may not be in your area, but it's something that, as you mentioned, they gave you a lot of the building blocks to make you the man you are today. Man, absolutely. And, you know, I'm glad you said that because in reality, you know, we can all do so much better at giving to the things that we care about. And, And obviously, especially during these times right now, being vocal and not being shy to support the things that are dear to our heart. Uh, a post that I'll never forget and a quote that I'll never forget 
is, you know, don't be afraid to uh, support your heroes and things that you, you really believe in. And, and I mean that in the right way, because you, you already know there, there's so much nonsense out here right now. It doesn't mean just I support You got people out here looting right now. And, and obviously there's a lot of civil unrest in our communities right now. You know, and you got people that support this, that support looting, support robbing. You know, that, that's not, that, that's not the support that, that I'm talking about. What I really mean and, and, and with, with support is there are things that people really believe in. There are things that, that are true to people's heart. There's experiences that, you know, really pull at their heart. And, you know, but when I say that, there, there are ways to, to help and there are ways to, to be, uh, involved or to help out those organizations that, that really, you know, hold that special place for something that you have on your heart. So, you know, we can all do better. I can do better. Uh, my family and I, we can all do better. And that's just something I think is, as humans, you know, imagine if we all spend more time doing a little bit of that, supporting some things and, and understanding things and, and not being afraid and shy to show support to people or things that, that are really important to your heart that can have a true impact in this world. Uh, we, it, would, it would definitely be a better place. Well, and I think oftentimes what happens is this falls off the radar screen. And it's amazing to me when people do things that either are outside their comfort zone or that have fell off the radar screen, how good they feel about stuff. So it's great to know that there's organizations, and that's why I ask each person when they come on what, what is your organization and why? Because I think it's important to highlight the impact of those organizations and continue to talk about it because we can talk a lot about what's happening and you mentioned stuff happening in, in our communities and and that we see on TV. But the things we need to be thinking about too is how do we then talk about and think about the kids that really need the support there, that the organizations that help the people, you know, I was saying earlier, I drive all over the place or used to drive all over the place uh, before I got forced into retirement because of my illness. And I would see people walking down the sidewalk or standing there. And I'm thinking that person isn't walking to work. That person isn't just standing there. That, that person's looking for a place that they're going to sleep tonight. And you have to look beyond what you see, but could be happening in that person's life and be that change. And by being that change is just saying, you know what, I'm going to carve out some time, not just for me, but to do some good things for other people. And that makes a difference in us. That makes makes us feel better about ourselves. It makes us know that we're helping our fellow man. And it's good to know that you have an organization that has given you those building blocks. Thanks for listening to the County Pulse Podcast. Make sure to find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The County Pulse. And drop a follow on each so you'll be able to take the pulse of Kankakee County and beyond. And beyond.